Blog Talk Radio. Greetings. Today we will uh paying a a special tribute to uh this is uh the Hubert Pipersburg show and um I am uh, Bilal Morris. I'll be sitting in for uh Hubert who is out and I'll be host hosting for him today. And um Greetings. I am Bilal Morris, and I am sitting in for Hubert Pipersberg, who is on uh, leave today. And um, we will be uh, we will be talking about the some very important issues um, around the legendary Belizean, the brother Bertucca who passed away uh, a week and a half ago. Um, we will be speaking uh, live um, with uh, uh, Brother Nuri Akbar, who is a well-acquainted person about the work of Bertoka. Uh, myself, I will be discussing some very important things around this brother's work. And um, the important struggle that he waged, both in the diaspora and at home in Belize. Um, Many of the times we do not appreciate the work that people have done either from one's country or from the international and global arena. Um, We, as Belizeans, we tend to do not appreciate, and I think most of the times we don't really know about the work that many of our renowned Belizeans, both male and female, have done we have a problem in even knowing our history um, about the people who have built that country, the people who have been the trendsetters, those who have struggled outside in the periphery, so to speak, regardless of the fact if they did not live in Belize, but that they worked for Belizean causes abroad. And um, we do not know much about a lot of these people. One very much person is the 
Brother Samuel Haynes, who wrote the Belizean National Anthem and who became an intricate part and an important part of the UNIA, the United Negro Improvement Association, under the leadership of the dynamic Marcus Garvey. A lot of us do not even know about the ex-servicement riot where these Belizean men who served in World War I, too, came home and received very unfair treatment in terms of fighting for Britain. We do not know about the Samuel Haynes story. It is not in our history books. Apart from him, Samuel Haynes, who lived outside of Belize, I would say, most of his life, but who wrote our anthem, many of us do not know about this man. And the young students of today, both in the secondary and the tertiary level of education, know very little about Samuel Haynes. It is in that background, and it is in that light that it is the same ignorance that many Belizeans don't know about the work of people like Brother Bert Tucker. In this show today, we want to spend the next two hours talking about this brother and the work that he did for Belize, outside of Belize, in the Caribbean, Africa, and Central America, and in other parts of the world. And we also want to talk about the work of this brother in the home front in Belize. Because while Bert Tucker worked internationally to help causes around the world, he was always coming into Belize and doing very important work in terms of his area of expertise, which was economics, and working with grassroots organizations in helping to do people-centered projects where the Belizean people who are at the base of the pyramid could benefit. Because, see, these were the kinds of programs that he was involved with in Africa, in the Caribbean, and so forth. And so this brother brought home his expertise, which is one of the things that I would like to talk about today in terms of how Belizeans in the diaspora have, not can, but have played a dynamic role in the development of that country since the 1870s, as the renowned Belizean sociologist Dr. Jerome Strong have researched so well. We have a dynamic case of the Belizean Ernest Lyons, who became the U.S. ambassador to Liberia. And his work long before Samuel Haynes. And there is a tremendous body of work that have developed out of that, that have been researched by our renowned Belizean sociologist, Dr. Jerome Strong, that is there for students, Belizean students, to tap into and to research. 
But if we do not become the research, the resource, the resourceful mind, the mind that researched and to find out about things, home there in Belize, and also abroad, we will never know about the dynamic things, the very constructive things that Belizeans have done, not only for Belize but for the world. We also want to uh, talk about the. Uh, work of um, the, the 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 work of many before him. There are so many people that were the trendsetters and laid down the foundation of what I call struggle in the periphery. Um, the great Odinga Lumumba, who worked tirelessly in Africa, in Ghana, in working with the 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 doing the the work with the renowned African leader Jerry Rollins. There is a whole body of work out there on this Belizean Odinga Lumumba. But regardless of the fact, there are powers of B who is trying to keep Belizean students away from the work of these people. But there are people who have written extensively about people like Odinga Lumumba, people like Samuel Haynes and Ernest Lyons. Right. Just recently in Yamandala, a couple of years ago, my guest today, Nuri Akbar, um, wrote a beautiful piece in the Yamandala newspaper on Odinga Lumumba titled, My Encounter with a Revolutionary Odinga Lumumba. The role that he played in the Heads of Agreement in, in rejecting and resisting the forces of B that the Guatemalan government alongside with U.S. foreign policy and British foreign policy in trying to annex the Belizean nation state. This was one of the most ardent resistors of the Heads of Agreement in 1981 a series of agreements that Belize had to sign with Guatemala that was perpetually run down our throats, to, so to speak, for us to accept that. And we need to know the work of these people, regardless of the fact if the status quo at home may not agree with it, we have to know the work of these people, and we cannot only know the work of these people when they're dead and gone. But we have to be able to, as students of history, of our own country, research the history of our country because there is a great body of work there. While I lived in, while I visited Belize two weeks ago, I was coming out of Belmopan and I was privy enough to meet the legendary Belizean historian Fred Hunter coming on the bus. And I was given a history lesson from Belmopan all the way to Belize City about history that I never knew about, about our country. Fred Hunter has wrote a dynamic book on Belizean sovereignty that is, I, I would advise young Belizean students of history to read. 
and I'm I was ignorant to a lot of the information that he was explaining to me. But I listened intensively and never did interrupt it. And from that journey, 50 miles, going from Belmopan to Belize City, he spoke and gave me an entire history lesson. That is, has to be respected, regardless of who he is and what he is. There is a whole body of work out there from Belizeans from all walks of life. And I would hope that they become a part of the Ministry of Education in Belize where they start to document oral history of these people across that country, Belizeans who have so much information and so much history to depart, to enhance and to enrich our national archives and to enhance our schools with pertinent information for their, to, for, to give them a sense of critical thinking skills that they can depend on their own information to make proper choices as we move into a new direction in that country and to produce some of the most important and dynamic leaders that will be able to take Belize out of underdevelopment into development. That we begin to start a document these people who are all across that country, from the north, the south, the east, and the west of that country, who have played tremendous roles in developing Belize and in developing uh, its uh, infrastructure, both social, political, economical, and religious. There are young Belizeans making history today. As we speak, five years ago, ten years ago, that may not necessarily be a part of government of the day, but are part of civil society. The work that we see young activist Belizeans are doing in the South, like our brother, brother Leo Sanchez in the South, a dynamic educator, farmer, an activist who is struggling for the rights of the Garinigu people in the South. There is the work of the Mayas who we see today are struggling, the work of the dynamic Julian Cho and how he had set the pace for many Belizeans today, for many Mayas of the South to have self-determination and rights to their Mayan ancestral lands. But there is also dynamic activists in the Garinigo community who are doing the same thing. There are dynamic activists in the Mestizo community of Belize. The Orange Walk in farmers of Corozal and Orange Walk. Dynamic people who are activists who are struggling defend and to resist the onslaught of liberalism upon their way of life and in taking away from them their, their survival and their destiny. The people of the East Indian community, the dynamic work of people like Wilma Hare in the South, who is struggling and resisting the incursions at the border 
in PG, in having the Guatemalan oligarchy and its unfair claim on the Belizean nation-state. The brother Will Meher has been going out tirelessly and working to resist those fronts, to resist that onslaught that we have grown up to have to live with. There are people out there, Belizeans from all walks of life, from all cultures, that have and are standing up today and resisting, resisting neoliberal policies that is trying to exploit that country and keep people at the bottom of the pyramid. And so today, as the co-host today and as holding in for Brother Hubert Pipersberg, who is on leave, our guest today is none other than the Berta Chairman, the Belize Rural Economic Development of Agriculture, a Los Angeles-based diaspora organization that started its inception in 1980, in the 1980s. Our brother, Nuri Akbar, is joining us today, and I want to make sure that Nuri is on. Nuri, are you on? Yes, my brother, I'm here. Brother Nuri Akbar is another Belizean that is out there in the periphery, working tirelessly from the 70s all the way up to present day, educating himself, working with conscious people, both in Belize and in the diaspora, and led one of the most progressive grassroots organizations in the diaspora, Paul Breda, the Belize Rural Economic Development of Agriculture True Alliance. But people like Brother Nure Akbar comes from a certain stock. Unlike a lot of our usual young men and women, he is unique. You rarely will find the kind of young Belizean, when he started as an activist, that would want to have interest in the development of their country like he had from a young man, 16 years old, and maybe from an earlier age in talking to him and learning about his history, and have not sat down not one day since he became a Belizean activist, but have built alliances with people like Brother Bert Tucker, Brother Dinga Lumumba, Brother Evan X Hyde, and these people have educated him in terms of the struggle, both internationally and nationally in Belize. But brothers like Nuri Akbar has not only taken on this interest selfishly, but they have also acted upon it in doing activist work in taking a sincere and a serious concern about what is happening in the country where he was born. And today I want to welcome Brother Nuri Akbar, who is no stranger to the, to, the, to the radio waves and the television waves in Belize, where he worked for about eight months in 2008. 
but we also want to welcome him here as a a scholar on international relations. And in that backdrop, also a nationalist, a Belizean nationalist that understands and has studied tirelessly, studied thoroughly the history of Belize, its political, social, economical aspects. And with that introduction, Brother Nuriakbar, I want to introduce you to, I want to welcome you to the Hubert Pipersburg show. Welcome, my brother. Assalamu uh, alaikum um, and greetings, my brother. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. I would like to give greetings to my Belizean brothers and sisters, wherever they may be on the global stage, to my brothers and sisters in Belize who are currently observing the holiday. And, of course, we are here to to reflect on the life and contribution of a great human being, and that is our brother, Brother Bert Tucker. And I hope that in the next uh, few moments we can talk about Brother Bert Tucker, but not in a romantic way, but more so in a practical way of what this beautiful human being has contributed in the work that he has done globally as well as in Belize. But most importantly, the way he was as a human being, because after all is said and done, that's what has impacted my life, the way he was as a human being. So hopefully we can spend some time talking about the brother's life and contribution. Yes, brother. Nuri, give us the give us some kind of understanding of the work that Brother Bert Tucker was trying to do on the international scale. We know that he worked in the Caribbean. We know that he worked in Africa. But a lot of Belizeans, when we speak of Bert Tucker, they cannot really tie in or connect the dots in how that relates to Belize while he was doing that. Give us some kind of understanding of what Brother Bert Tucker was trying to do when he worked in the periphery? Uh, well, first, I, I would like to give a background of the things that has shaped Brother Bert Tucker worldview. It's important to note that he was a child of the 60s, just like his contemporaries, Evan X, Odinga, and the rest of the brothers and sisters of that era. He was among the first wave of Belizean students to attend the UWI campus in uh, Jamaica. And it was there during that period, which was a pivotal period in the Caribbean. It is important to know that one of our greatest scholars out of that region, Dr. Walter Rodney, was at the time a professor at UWI. And he was so influential and so powerful at that time that the Jamaican government 
had issued a ban on preventing Dr. Walter Rodney from continuing to teach and work in the trenches in Jamaica. I'm giving this background because it's important to note the things that has shaped and framed Bert Tucker's worldview. Yes. And that environment was so explosive that it ended up with riots in the streets of Kingston, which was later to be called the Dr. Walter Rodney Riots. And this was the environment that Bert Tucker was in as a young student. He emerged out of that, spending a lot of time grounding with the brothers and the culture in that environment. But on the international stage, this was a period where the black power movement was evolving all over the world. Stokely Carmichael, Kwame Ture, the Black Panther Party, the Nation of Islam in North America, Malcolm X, on the African continent, Patrice Lumumba, Yes. The struggle that was going on in Southern Africa, the ANC, the African National Congress, the Pan-Africanist Congress, the war that was raging in the Congo, the, the work that was happening in Latin America, Czech, Czech Chavar, the Cuban Revolution. All of this permeated the environment that set the stage for what was to emerge as the Bert Tucker that we came to know. Bert Tucker did not spend a lot of time talking about his academic accolades. In fact, I can tell you, I have never heard from all my encounters with Brother Bert, ever heard him talk about his academic accolades. Yes, where he went indeed. to school and how much degrees he had, etc., etc. I have never heard him talk about that. What I've heard him talk about and spend a lot of time explaining is the human condition and our role in that process. He was a technocrat, but he was not a theoretician, meaning that he was not an individual who did not believe in getting his hands dirty, meaning doing the work. And if you notice of yes. Bert Tucker's life, he was a person that was engaged in the practical application of what he believes. He was involved with the practical application of his convictions. He was involved yes. in the practical application of working in the process of liberating his people. Henceforth, he was not a theoretician. This was a practical man, a man of action. He was an internationalist. He was a humanitarian. And we found out later on, years later, that he was following in the footsteps of some of the giants that you made reference to in your introduction like Samuel Haynes. Indeed. Samuel Indeed. Haynes 
who of course is a Belizean icon that many of us knew little or nothing about except that he wrote our national anthem. But this is a man who became a general in the UNIA movement and went on to work on an international level in North America as one of assistant to the great Honorable Marcus Garvey. So he brought, coming back to Brother Bert Tucker, he was following in the footsteps of some of our great ancestors. We talk about Isaiah Martha. Most yes. Belizeans don't know who that is. It was That's Bert true. Tucker. It was Bert Tucker who gave life to these great patriots. Isaiah Martha was the first (laughs) industrialist, local black African Belizean industrialist in Belize. And this was a man who took his wealth and tied it to the international black liberation movement under the Garvey banner. Yes, (laughs) indeed. (laughs) So when we talk about Belize, many of us cannot connect these dots. We always talk about Belize as this kind of, of strange place that has been disconnected from the diaspora and even from the regional movement in the Caribbean and Latin America for liberation. But when we go back into our history, we understand that we had great men and women who were engaged in these international and very militant movements. When you look at the Garvey movement, it was not a passive movement. When you look at what they were calling for, these things were not viewed as, as, as passive demands. You were talking about demands for self determination. You were talking about economic power. You were talking about self-actualization. You were talking about taking ownership of one's destiny. Yes, yes. These are these are not these are not weak, cowardly principles for any people or nation to embrace. And so these are the people that Bert Tucker studied. I mentioned Dr. Walter Rodney. That's a giant. Germans. Indeed. A Caribbean dynamic a, giant, brother. Dr. Walter Rodney was not just a scholar of the highest levels, but he was a revolutionary. He was an activist. He was an internationalist. And so... The question that we must pose when we look at the life of Brother Bert Tucker, when our students go on to prestigious universities and gain their academic accolades, why is it that they are unable to tie that service to the liberation of their people? Kwame Ture also poses the same question, that education must be tied to the process of self-determination and liberation. 
It was yeah. the president of Tanzania, Julius Nereri, who famously said that education can be liberating, but education can be oppressive. Yeah. So in the context of Brother Bert Tucker, clearly for him, education was a force that uh, catapulted his action towards liberation. And if you look at the region that he chose to work, this was a man who did not choose to work in a corporate office in New York or in London, which he could have done easily, given his academic accolades. He chose was to go into the most difficult set of circumstances and in the places of ill repute and struggle and bloodshed and human degradation. He was engaged in working in Southern Africa. Yes. In yes. working with the revolutionary group of SWAPO, the Southwest Peace yes. Organization. Fair and his much. role there was not peripheral. It was not a peripheral role. It was a central role. In the case of Namibia, Bert Tucker was helping to design the structure of government that was to emerge in a free Namibia, in an independent Namibia. Yes. So this was a man who was not a peripheral player. Going back to the Caribbean, we know also that he became involved with a revolutionary process there under the Michael Manley years. He was an advisor to the Honorable Michael Manley. When Jamaica stepped out to experiment with the Jamaican model of socialism, he was also engaged with our revolutionary brother and the new Jewel movement coming out of Grenada, the Honorable German Song. Yes. My encounter with Brother Bert Tucker coincided with me also coming in contact with another revolutionary Belizean, Brother Odinga Labumba, to whom you referred to earlier. This was uh, this yes. was around the time of 1980, and I was just a young teenager at the time. And Belize was approaching its independence. Conver the conversion of these brothers returning back home around that very pivotal time was my introduction to Brother Bert Tucker. Yeah. And that relationship lasted until he passed away last week. Whenever we spent time together, I would walk away with a nugget or two of wisdom and of knowledge. And he never spoke down to me. It was always him sitting humbly and having a conversation with a younger brother. Yeah. There, was no yeah. there was no arrogance. You see, when you are self-assured, you don't have to beat your chest. Yes, brother. That's you don't, true. You don't, have to you don't have to recite your accolades. And so he, he never spent time doing that. What he would talk about is the work 
and the urgency of what we need to do in Belize. And that's what he spent his final years doing. Yes. Whether Belizeans were able to grasp what Brother Bert Tucker was all about is debatable in my opinion. Because I don't believe even those, the political directorates, whether red or blue, fully comprehend the level and the visionary views of what Brother Bert Tucker had was to offer. Yeah. That's my personal opinion. And so he had to struggle in Belize, dealing with some of the same neo-colonialistic attitudes, neo-colonialistic behaviors, both from an institutionalized position, but also from the mental position. When you're working yeah. in a former colonized environment, it's, it's extremely difficult to, to convey certain precepts and understanding when people's worldview are cemented in a particular paradigm that is very difficult to break free. And so he expressed that frustration to me many times. Many times. Yes, and he has yes. written about it as well. Yes, and those yes. of us who have been in activist work we know what he's talking about because we have to deal with it daily when we interact with our people. Because you're trying to take them to another level, but it is not an easy process. Because as we speak, there are other forces that is at work that is pushing them in another direction. And so my brother, spent most we of the time sharing that. Yes, go ahead. Yes. Uh, go ahead. I just want our, our audience to know that we are listening to the Hubert Pipersburg show, echoing voices from the Belizean diaspora. And uh, brother Hubert is out on leave. I'm Bilal Morris, and I'm sitting in for him uh, today. Uh, we look forward to a brother when he returns in his next next week's show, or next show where he will be updating us on some very uh, uh, important and pertinent uh, information in terms of uh, Belize's development and um, his, his, his brilliance as a public, poly, public, public policy analyst. Brother Hubert um, has been doing some excellent work, not only here on this show, but uh, in his great blogs. He's an excellent writer on public policy and how looking at Belize and how the global and international perspective affects uh, our beloved country and our nation state. Brother Nuri, it's a beautiful, as we pay tribute to Brother Bert Tucker's work, and we go down on record in documenting these things. You are one of the most foremost, I would say, historians on Brother Bert Tucker's work because he spent a tremendous amount of time here in Los Angeles and with Britta. And I remember you having some very intimate and personal conversations with that brother in terms of understanding the struggle in Africa. Um, give our listeners, if you, if you may, the the work that Brother Bert Tucker was doing in Africa, specifically Ghana, 
and in Namibia. Give our listening audience some kind of historical analysis of that work, mostly with SWAPO and in the struggle when the struggle against South Africa and the whole apartheid movement. Give us some kind of understanding of what Berta was doing in alliances with the work of Brother Berta, if you can. Well, recently, as you know, I had wrote an article around the time of the passing of our dear brother, President Nelson Mandela, to the Mandela newspaper. And I spoke about Brother Bert Tucker's uh, contribution to us here in in the diaspora and in the organization Breda, and how he was very instrumental in contributing to connecting us with Brother Ron Wilkins, another very, very much so international activists and how those connecting of those dots gave us the foundation to create the first Belizean radio program in the United States called the Belize Caribbean Pulse on Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. It is important for Belizeans to understand that Bert Tucker was the person who connected those dots and there's something yes. I want to say here. There are many people who wanted to put Bert Tucker or push Bert Tucker to lead projects. Bert Tucker is not the kind of person that wanted to lead projects. He was a facilitator, and I will emphasize that. Yeah. Bert Tucker saw himself as a facilitator, meaning that he's the type of person that will help to create an environment, help to create a process for people to then self-empower themselves, which is what he did with connecting us to Brother Ron Wilkins, and then we took that wheel and helped to establish the Belize Caribbean Pulse Pulse Radio Program successfully. Very much so. that survived and ran for a decade in the diaspora, disseminating information in the community and empowering people. There's a tendency... And just just to let the people know who Brother Ron Wilkins is, and for Belizean audience who are listening to this show in Belize, Brother Ron Wilkins is the renowned Pan Africanist that did the Black Mexico exhibit at the Mexican Cultural Center about two or three years ago. He's a great scholar on black Mexico. And um, we were fortunate to have met that brother through Brother Bertoka. But just to, as a little plug there, Nure, to make people know who Brother Ron Wilkins is. Go right ahead, brother. No, that, that's, that's very important. And, you know, I was just emphasizing the point that Brother Bertoka was the type of person who helped to create systems and processes as a facilitator so that others can empower themselves and move forward. You know we have a culture in Belize that has been perpetuated coming out of the, the slave colonial past and even into this modern era where we we are a culture of people that 
that essentially very dependent yes. and to a large extent the political system as we know it currently encourages that type of dependency behavior and I'm not going to go into that I'm just bringing that in terms of why Bert Tucker saw himself as a facilitator when he went back to Belize as we know he established he helped to create the Isaiah Martha group that group was not for him to lead. That was a process for others to empower themselves. And so when critics or cynics might say, well, he did this, but then what happened to, to so-and-so or what happened to so-and-so? I'm trying to put that in context. You follow me? Yeah. Yes, very much so. So he helped to create processes so that others can empower themselves. So don't look at him and say, well, why he didn't do so-and-so or what happened to so-and-so. No. The responsibility, once you are given knowledge, once you are given direction, once you are given vision, then it is now your responsibility to take the baton and move forward. Yes. And so that was how Bert Tucker saw himself as a facilitator. Later. Anyway, what is uh, we remember in the 1980s when he spoke about the dynamic movement of Ghana um, and the work of Flight Lieutenant Jerry Rawlings as 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 as, as, as the this dynamic African leader that came from out of Africa and was able to be the president of Ghana for quite a few uh, terms and helped in development the development of of Ghana. Talk about Brother, Brother Bert's work with, with Jerry Rawlings of Ghana. Um, Brother Bert developed international credibility coming out of Jamaica and Grenada. I mentioned to you that he was close advisors to two dynamic prime ministers out of the Caribbean region, the yes. Honorable Michael Manley and the Honorable Revolutionary Maurice Bishop of Grenada. With that kind of credibility, he was seen as a progressive individual. And so he acted as an advisor to some of the most progressive leadership on the continent. And one of those was Jerry Rawlings of Ghana. He worked as an advisor to these brothers. He also worked, as I mentioned earlier, as an advisor to SWAPO, the revolutionary organization of Namibia, which became yeah. the government of that country when, yes. it, when it attained its independence. And there is much there that can be discussed. I myself is not fully um, appraised to all of the volume of work that Brother Bertoka has done. I can say to you that he showed me once a a literal thesis, which I guess was perhaps several hundred pages of, 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 of work with him putting together a, a form of governance, structure of governance that he was introducing to SWAPO for adaptation when they were formulating their their form of government. 
I'm just giving you an insight as to, to, to how deep this brother was. He was a technocrat, but he was not a theoretician. This brother was a brother who was engaged with practical work on the ground. And I can draw a parallel between him and Dr. Walter Rodney. They were the same. They were globalists, but but as you know, Dr. Walter Rodney was banned from Jamaica because he was grounding with the brothers in in, in Trenchtown in, in Kingston, Jamaica. And when you take scholarship of that level, that is able to ground with those in the trenches, with those of the least of the least, and is able to inspire that level of network, those individuals will be seen as a threat to the status quo. Very much so. You know, he once mentioned and give, you used to give us a joke, and I don't know if you remember it, but he spoke about the Dinga Lubumba uh, working with in Ghana, and he he said that when he walked in there when he was working with the United Nations, the president of Ghana, Gerald Rawlings, told him, "Oh, I have a man from your region here," and he said he never had no idea who it was. <laughs> and he said when they called for the, the, that person, he was so shocked to see that it was a Dingo Lumumba. And at the time, he mentioned that the Dingo Lumumba held a very strategic and important role in the Ghanaian government and the Rawlings. But it was so funny in the way how Bert Tucker used to talk. He was always yeah. very sarcastic and very funny. He had comic relief on serious matters. And when exactly. he, told it, he told that story, I have a man, from, when the president of Ghana, Rawlings said, I have a man from your region here. He said an outwalk for Dingalumumba. He said that your big smile came on his face. <laughs> you know, he was just talking about how he had encountered the work of Dingalumumba in Ghana and his work in Africa as a Belizean, you know? But you know, uh, Bilal, I want to highlight something that I touched on briefly again how education can be liberating or education can be oppressive. Yes, brother. And Bert Tucker epitomizes education that can be liberating. Yeah. But I have to put that in the context of the environment that helped to frame that. Yes. The, the militancy of the environment that he was in during the time of his, his period at UWI and during the course of the time of Dr. Walter Rodney. Yes, that whole very much so. How that helped to frame this brother's uh, frame of reference and his worldview. When you look at our, our, our people today who go away and study, we notice that we are not seeing the same level of of progressive thought. We are seeing something that is very disturbing in my view, which is the education, the pursuit of education is not tied towards liberation. 
it is tied towards how much money I can make as yes. a, as an individual. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a disconnect from that scholarship to the masses of the people. There's a disconnect. How does my scholarship, how does my expertise, how does my training can help to advance the uplift of my people as, as a whole? And this, to me, is, is, is extremely critical because if we cannot tie education to the liberation process, we will have more of our people who are coming home with various accolades but are totally divorced from the process of the struggle of our people. Yes. Um, I want to also station ID, uh, program ID here to say that this is the Hubert Pipersberg Show. And um, I am Bilal Morris sitting in for Brother Hubert who is on leave for this week. Um, we are speaking with uh, Breda Chairman, the Belize Rural Economic Development of Agriculture, Breda Chairman, Brother Nuri Akbar, and we are doing a special tribute to the renowned Belizean scholar and economist and activist, historian, and there is a lot of, so much that goes along Brother Bert Tucker's name. Uh, we are doing a special tribute on Brother Bert Tucker, who passed away about uh, a week and a half ago or so. And um, our brother has suddenly left us, and but he left behind a great body of work uh, that has to be resurrected. And on, to, on today's show, we want to try to give justice as much as we can to the best of our ability about this brother's work. Uh, myself was a. I knew the brother very personally, and as the public relation person of Breda, I had to connect with him in many respects. I remember the day he walked into our meeting and mentioned to us that there was a opportunity to get a radio show to help publicize information on Belize and about our organization. On the, on the Pacifica Radio Network, KPFK, here in Los Angeles. And I remember the meeting being done and was possible through Brother, Brother Ron Wilkins, the renowned Afrocentric scholar and Pan-Africanist who have done the Black Mexico exhibit in Belize. And from there on, we were able to do what we needed to do and got a radio show that was 10 years in its production here in Los Angeles from 1985 to 1996, where we were on there for a period of 10 years to bring forth information, pertinent information to the Belizean diaspora. And it was through, through, the, through Brother Bert Tucker that that was possible. I also just want to mention the, the work that uh, Brother Bert Tucker had, uh, was, was, had championed in the diaspora. Very recently, he, was a, he, he 
was the architect of what they call the homecoming conference where Belizeans abroad was trying to get Belizeans abroad, and this was nothing new. Belizeans abroad to come into Belize, all the organizations, social, economic, and political organizations that Belizeans had organized in the diaspora to come to Belize for a conference where we could talk about how Belizeans can transfer their knowledge, their expertise. And he worked along with Ambassador Mendes, the Belize ambassador to Washington, in making this possible. I remember the dynamic work he did alongside that on the Samuel Haynes project. Brother Bert Tucker wanted to make Samuel Haynes a national hero by 2012, and he worked on that tirelessly. I had assisted him in doing extensive research and on Samuel Haynes. And the Belizean sociologist, Jerome Strong, had did intense, intense research work on Samuel Haynes that I feel that there has, no other Belizean has done before. And this research work is yet to be explained, probably, hopefully, to the University of Belize one day. Dr. Jerome Strong's findings and his work on this dynamic Belizean Samuel Haynes and his work in the UNIA and, and in, the, uh, in the NAACP and in the black movements here in the United States that a lot of Belizeans don't know. And I hope that one day we will have Dr. Jerome Strong as an associate professor or, uh, or as a lecturer come to the University of Belize and depart this information that he had so well researched in the, in the, in the libraries of Harlem, New York, I remember him doing this, and this was coinciding with the Samuel Haynes project. I also worked with Brother Bert Tucker when I was a social studies teacher at E.P. York, where he introduced me to the Mahogany project that the renowned Belizean scholar, agronomist, Henry Fairweather, the first surveyor who surveyed the capital city of Belmopan, where he introduced me to the Mahogany Project in the River Valley. And I've seen the work that Mr. Henry Fairder was doing with the Mahogany Project in planting, replanting mahogany trees to kill the myth and to destroy the misconception that the British had mentioned that the, that the mahogany tree will take 100 years to, re, to, to, to grow back. Mr. Henry Fairder disintegrated that whole theory and, 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 and uh, brought forth the possibility that, this, that the mahogany is back and that it can be regrown. You saw, I saw students from all over the world came down from all across the world coming in from universities studying that project. And so as a social studies teacher, I was able to get Brother Bert Tucker to come and speak at the open day at E.P. York about the Mahogany Project. And if we go into E.P. York, we see a Mahogany tree that is planted right at the, the periphery between the, the parallel to Princess Margaret Drive. And he gave a very dynamic talk about the Mahogany tree. And he asked a question during that talk. He asked the students, he said, how many of you know how the Mahogany tree grows? And it was a big pause in the audience of students, teachers and students alike. Nobody knew. 
and he waited for a while. That was a very interesting presentation, too, because Brother Bert Tucker made it very interactive. He's such a brilliant professor, or such a brilliant teacher. And as I watched him that day giving his talk at the E.P. Yard and asking that question, open day, that is, a little boy raised his hand and said, I know. And Brother Bert Tucker asked him, how does it grow? And he said, it has a little thing like a parachute that comes off the tree, and the wind blows the that off the, the the mahogany tree and it drops wherever it fell wherever it falls that's where it, it it regroups and that's where it grows Tucker said you're right that's how it grows and it was so fascinating that a village child a rural child a child from the rural area of Belize was able to answer that question whereas no other student that lived in Belize City, was able to understand or to even know how the mahogany tree grows. But the child from the village, and Bert Tucker asked him, how do you know that? He said, I, I, my father is a farmer. My father is a farmer, and I saw it with my own eyes, how the mahogany tree grows. There is a lot of mahogany trees on our farm. And so I just said that to say, the intimate work in which Brother Bertoko was trying to bring Belizeans in Belize City close to the land. His work was so passionately about bringing us close to the land and the importance of land and to use land as, as, as self-sufficiency as self and permanent independence. He used to like say, Belize has independence on paper, but we don't know what it is in practice. We have it on paper. And he says you can see it in the people where we don't have no connection to land. We are not growing our own food. We're supposed to be independent. He used to say that Belize is the breadbasket of the whole Caribbean and Central America. Could be. And this man worked passionately, along with people like Ishmael Omar Shabazz, who was also a close friend of Brother Bertoka, and who both of them identified with land. And so, Brother Nuriakbar, I just had to say that in thought of bringing to our attention the work that this brother has done. But yes, we want to get from you also the work that he was doing with Isaiah Martha. And because when he, when he were introduced to us in the 80s, this was a work that he was doing uh, in trying to get Belizeans in the diaspora to identify with those struggles, like Isaiah Martha, who Isaiah Martha was. And before I ask you this question, I would like to read something here about Isaiah Martha. And it says here, unlike the majority of Negroes who accumulated wealth, Isaiah Martha did not seek to find associations socially and otherwise among other races, but he was satisfied to confine his success to his race and give his race credit for everything that he accomplished. Most West Indian and Central American Negroes, wherever they accumulate wealth, generally seek to dissipate the social patronage of that race, which generally seeks rather to deprive them of their wealth than to accept them as a social equals and members of their fraternity. Sir Isaiah Amada was true to his race and has written his name down as the first of that successful type of Negro who did not forget Africa and its relationship to the rest of the Negroes throughout the world, 
Not very long ago, Sir Isaiah Martha came to New York for the benefit of his wealth, and the writer had the honor of entertaining him at his home where he remained a guest for several weeks. It was during the period when the Universal Negro Improvement Association was being hunted by its enemies in the height of the trial of the celebrated Black Star Line case. The injustices done to the association and the subject of the enemy's design were to mark that Sir Isaiah Martha felt, as all Negroes did who read, the follow, who read and followed the case, that it was not a fight against an individual, but a fight against the race. He became even more impressed then with the work and usefulness of the UNIA than he was before. Unfortunately, his health continued failing him, and even though he experienced a marked improvement during his stay in America, he returned to Belize, his native home, and there he lingered for several months until the grim reaper death visited him on the seventh instant. His memory lives among the members of the UNIA Association and the Negro Race Forever. Prior to his death, nothing in the world was as dear to him as the principles of the UNIA and as a proof of his attachment to the movement and his desired help of it. He has become the first great benefactor of the cause of the African redemption. In his will, he bequeathed to the UNIA for African redemption nearly two-thirds of his entire fortune to the extent of between $75,000 to $100,000. This is the first large bequest that he has ever given. And I just wanted to say that as a backdrop, uh, Brother Nuri Akbar, because as you spoke about Bertucker's work with Isaiah Martyr, Many of our Belizeans don't really know who Isaiah Martha is. When we met Bertucker in the 80s and he introduced Isaiah Martha to us, who we did not even know about much about his brother, um, he was trying to, to build a coalition of conscious Belizean people in the diaspora to work hand-in-hand hand with Minister Philip Golson, the renowned Belizean nationalist Philip Golson, in trying to bring attention to the whole black struggle, the, the, the contribution of black people in Belize and the work that people like Isaiah Martha done, they, uh, did for that country. What was his, what was Bert Tucker, what did he, what was he actually trying to do in, in terms of raising consciousness about Isaiah Martha? What was he actually trying to do for Belizeans in, 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 through that cause? Uh, that was a powerful piece you read there on uh, Sir Isaiah Martha. You know, when we look at Belize today, and we look at the condition of our young black male, where 99% of them that are in prison are young black yes. males. Yes, brother. 99% of those that are being killed violently on black and black violence are young black male. And Brother Bert Tucker made the reference that we have sanctuaries for animals hmm. in Belize. Various protective 
sanctuaries. But the human being, the human being, yes. in our cities, are being destroyed, are being eliminated, and there is no sanctuary. You yes. either die or you end up incarcerated. And this is a plight that has reached a point where now we are ranked in the most recent report that was made public as the most vi- the third most violent country in the world. Not much. This is something that none of us would have foreseen 30 years ago. And so Indeed. when we sort of talk about bringing to life of Isaiah Martha and bringing to life of a Samuel Haynes, that is not just some dead historical facts without no relevance in contemporary beliefs. Our young people, they are disconnected from their foundations. Do you understand that? They are disconnected from their foundation. The educational system in beliefs, as you just eloquently described, is not connecting our young people to a solid historical foundation that they can identify with. And I'm being very specific. Our young black male does not have that connection to these positive historical figures who exemplify productivity, who exemplify vision, who exemplify collective community work. They don't have that connection. They are being developed in a a vacuum. Bert Tucker saw a much deeper, a much deeper meaning in resurrecting these historical figures. And so when I look at an Isaiah Martha, when I look Mm. at a Samuel Haynes, I'm not just reading some dead historical facts. I am making a connection with my living history and my living present. Yes. But this is not this is not merely academic exercise. Yes. And when we can take those images and those historical connections and intertwine them with what we are facing today, then it becomes alive. History becomes alive. Yes. That is not being perpetuated in our, in our educational paradigm. If you look at what we have been doing, Brother Bilal, we have been recycling a process that was given to us by our slave and colonial masters. We have not deviated in any fundamental
I think we have uh, we have uh, lost our connection to uh, Brother Bilal. I'm back. Yeah, um, Nuri. I don't know if um, the time. Yes, I'm. I'm here. We you, got you. You are here, connect. right? We we just yes. uh, disconnected. I don't know if the because I don't even know if I'm on the air. But uh, it appears that I don't know if the two hour went by. <laughs> um, no. Yes, uh, we are. We are back on. Uh, sorry for that. Uh, interruption but uh we are back on uh we lost our connection a little while ago but um we want to say that you're listening to the Hubert Pipersberg show i am uh, Bilal Morris and i am sitting in for brother Hubert who is on leave and uh who should be back next week god's willing in producing another dynamic show as he have always done and bringing to us some dynamic Belizean guests both in the diaspora and at home. Um, we are speaking with uh, Brother Nuri Akbar, the chairman of BREDA, the Belize Rural Economic Development of Agriculture True Alliance. And Brother Nuri, as we, we mentioned that word agriculture, which was a term, a name coined by the legendary and renowned Belizean historian and activist and Ubadar, Ishmael Omar Shabazz. Um, we cannot but remember the importance of agriculture also that Brother Bert Tucker stresses as he worked with sustainable development projects in Africa. And some of this was either putting helping Africans in the rural areas developing clean water, helping Africans in the rural area in where he worked in developing agricultural projects so that they can feed themselves. As he worked with the United Nations as an economist, this was a brother that was developing proposals, uh, development proposals to help Africans and brothers and sisters in the Caribbean in developing self-sustainable, self-sufficiency, in helping them to understand the true meaning of independence in itself, as he said, beyond it being on a piece of paper. Um, we've spoke about his work in the Caribbean with Michael Manley as an economist and as a consultant with that government. His tremendous work with the the New Jewel Movement of Maurice Bishop, um, and his work with Jerry Rawlings of Ghana, and in Namibia with Swapo. And it can go on and on because Bert Tucker had transcended all bounds in terms of an internationalist. Um, this was an ardent Pan-Africanist, Bert Tucker, that is. And as the great Jamaican writer Winston James wrote in his book about Samuel Haynes when he said that the Belizeans don't even know who they have in this man Samuel Haynes I would then add also that the Belizeans don't even know who they have in the man Bert Tucker, brother Bert Tucker the internationalist the Belizean nationalist the Pan-Africanist who struggled for causes 
of all peoples all over the world. I was very shocked speaking to him over the years, and he would mention to me his work working with white rural people in the South, poor whites in the South, and his alliances and his relationship with poor whites and so on. <laughs> the man had transcended a, a tremendous amount of racial barriers. We may hear, if, if, if people listen to us today, they will think that all oh, Bert Tucker was only a man that worked with black people, and he was this black nationalist per se. <laughs> but Bert Tucker's work transcended beyond the black diaspora, beyond Africa. Bertoka was working with hand in hand with Asian alliances, with European alliances, progressive European alliances, progressive uh, races of people from all walks of life. And if you sit with him and you hear his conversation, his great body of of oral history, of narrative that he gives to you, then you immediately know that this is a man that was working globally, that was working for the cause of all people that was downtrodden. I would just want to also uh, ask, have you to, to give our listening audience some kind of, 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 of uh, understanding of what his present work in this present government that he worked in as the ambassador of trade you had had a chance to live in Belize for a period of eight months, I think, in 2008, if I, am, if, I have the, if I have the year correctly. And you have had a deep association and working relationship with Brother Bertoko on the ground in Belize, as if we say, work on the ground. Tell us about that, that period of time when you worked with him and how he viewed the work of the government of the day in terms of how he viewed and see development. Give us some kind of understanding of what he was trying to do with his work there, his recent, his most recent work as ambassador of trade. Uh, before I respond to that, I wanted to kind of finish off the point that I was making in regards to all black Very people. much, brother. Yes, very much. Before I got cut off there. And I yes. just wanted to finish that up by saying that Brother Bert Tucker was deeply, deeply, deeply pained in, in witnessing the condition of our young black male in Belize. And he was totally committed. And I tried to tie in the dots by saying to you that the resurrection of these historical giants of our history was an attempt to give a connection and to give a point of reference to our young people that you you came from something that was strong. You came from warriors. You had people who were who transcended the barriers of their time, of their day. And that you 
are made of the same material of these ancestors and therefore you have the capacity and the potential to transcend the same barriers and struggles that we are facing in contemporary Belizean society. Yeah, and so this is what he was conveying in his work and tying that into the land that no country, no people on planet Earth can call themselves an independent country when your kitchen is in somebody <laughs> else's house. Well, you are importing the majority of the food to sustain yourself, you cannot make the claim of being an independent people. Yes. In the case of Belize, we have the capacity, we have the potential, but that's all it has remained, the capacity yes. and the potential. There are other people in Belize who apparently believe that by selling out certain areas of our country to foreign investors, that somehow that is going to accelerate our process to self-economic uh, independence. This is the kind of yeah. twisted, convoluted mentality that exists in the political directorate. So coming back so to the... Does call it the colonization, colonization of the imagination? Absolutely. So coming back to your question, I can say to you that Bertoka was very, very frustrated working in that environment. Every day he was frustrated. As brilliant as he was, as visionary as he was, he was very frustrated every single day because he had to struggle and battle and push and, and, and struggle to get things yes. done, to get <laughs> things accomplished. When you're dealing with people who cannot see beyond the next five years, when you're dealing with people who cannot plan, who does not forecast, who only look at how they can extend their political survival, it's difficult to work yes. in an environment like that. Plans and projects that transcend those parameters. And that was the environment that he was in. So he was very frustrated, and he expressed that to me on numerous occasions. On numerous occasions. And, and many of these people put impediments. Many of these people had impediments in his path to frustrate what he was attempting to do. One of the yes. things that Bertoka must be credited with is proposing and creating a national Heroes and Benefactors Day. Which was, so, attempt, yes. which was an attempt to broaden the 9th of March celebration of Baron Bliss Day. This was not to yes. put down Baron Bliss's contribution. This was to say that there were many other benefactors that Belize, Belize have had, and therefore, instead of having one day recognizing one individual when there are many other Belizeans, who can be included in this, we need to broaden that. And so yes. he introduced the concept and the idea 
of having a national hero and oh, benefactor's yes. day celebrated yeah. on the bank of March. I hope yeah. that going forward that this becomes something that is established and is perpetuated. Yes, very much so, very much so. We need to honor our, 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 our leaders, not only in, in the present day and in those that comes from out of the status quo, but we need to honor those great leaders that Belize had operated outside of the box, that operated in the periphery, that struggled as activists and did the work in developing, helping developing Belize. Uh, from from an indirect way, so to speak, and uh, very much so. But I want to to uh, to you know agree with that unanimously. And um, as you spoke about his his work in trying to make that particular um, project a reality, you know he was so much involved in making so much projects. Uh, a reality. His, his, his great work with the River Valley Project, the Bell Riv uh, Project, um, a lot of Belizeans uh, living in Belize are not even aware of the type of work or what the kind of work that he was doing in Bell Riv, trying to get women farmers, you know, that were in the River Valley, in the villages that had compassed that entire River Valley area in trying to produce and grow their food and then find a market for those, for those things. This was the kind of thing that Bertoka was doing in Africa and the Caribbean and came home and later on worked tirelessly again. When I lived in Belize, I remember him being very much passionately working with that Bell Reef project. And I think that it is a very important thing for the empowerment of women. Bertoka was instrumental in the empowerment of women, empowerment of women in terms of making women be visible and effective in non-traditional programs like farming, where men dominated the sort of thing. And we saw that in the River Valley in the Bell River Project. I remember interviewing him on my show, Believe in Depth, on Radio Creme about the Bell River Project and was actually fortunate to have seen it myself. And... Um, it is a very important thing, the empowerment of women in that country. As farmers, as taking on pro projects that, that men were, that were necessarily men's work, and it became possible. And I know today a lot of those women farmers can attest to the fact of the great work that he was doing. Brotoka was writing grants from non-governmental, from institutions, non-governmental organizations that was helping in terms of making those projects possible. A skilled economist, as someone that, can, that could have right some programs and policies to implement certain things on the ground. But like you have spoke about, he was very frustrated with the fact that there was these government bureaucracies that stood in the way of these sustainable development programs. Belize have, I remember him coming in when I had business in the 1990s, and he championed the idea of me being the pioneer in the money transfer business. And he came to my office on George Street 
and he mentioned to me how much, Bilal, what you're doing is very important, important in terms of enterprising and entrepreneurship. And I remember him coming in from his work at the UN and still coming in and working with the Said Musa government, for example, helping drafting the five-year development programs for Belize. And he would always say that, you know, these things, if we can take these things and actually beyond the program on the policy level and bring them to reality on the ground, how fast this country would be able to develop. But he also would always speak about the bureaucracy that was there that prevented these things from coming to fruition. And I think this is a problem that Belize has, where bureaucracy bags down constructive, sustainable development programs in coming to light, in making it possible for the development of the people. I think this was one of the things, as an economist, that he that that has wrote and has implemented many programs in Africa, particularly in Africa and the Caribbean, and has seen them work. And he wanted them to work in Belize, but the bureaucracy that is on the ground, uh, the government bureaucracy from that system that we impl- that we inherited from the British, right? That is not only a problem in Belize, but in Africa where he saw that that it was a very frustrating thing for him as a man who, who was a progressive and who wanted to see uh, sustainable development projects in agriculture, in land, in human development, in women's empowerment, in youth development, in entrepreneurship. He, he, he was a believer in these things and wanted to see these things for his country. Um, we, again, we want to say that this is the Hubert Pipersberg Show. And I am Bilal Morris sitting in for our brother, Hubert Pipersberg, who is on leave. He will be back next week. And we are speaking with Brother Nure Akbar, who is the chairman of Brother, the grassroots organization here in the diaspora based in Los Angeles that is the Belize Rural Economic Development of Agriculture True Alliance. And uh, Brother Nure, we want to continue here as we are winding down to the last uh, few minutes of the show to also um, to look at uh, Bert Tucker's work um, in other aspects, his, his relationships that he have had with renowned leaders that you have spoken about, um, Michael Manley and Maurice Bishop and Jerry Rawlings and um, his 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 work with civil society in Belize. Um, as someone who was on the ground in Belize for that period of time, give our listening audience some kind of understanding of the type of work Bertoka was doing with civil society, alliances with other non-governmental organizations in Belize that were struggling <clears throat> and resisting uh, neoliberal policies on the ground and um, how that work came, clashed with the status quo, how that work clashed with the government of the day. Give us some understanding of what he was doing with civil society in, in terms of the Guatemalan dispute, um, the, the whole 
gang problem in the country, the the high unemployment rate. What kind of work was he apart from his his his, his work as an ambassador? But how did he use that work as a his, that 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 office as an ambassador? We see his work with Venezuela, with the with the progressive government of Hugo Chavez. Particularly, what was Brother Bert's uh, work like with particularly Venezuela, with Cuba, and with other uh, neighboring countries that could, that could have helped Belize? Give us some kind of perspective on that. Uh, well, since we're coming, winding down, I want to mention very uh, quickly before I answer your direct question of Brother Bert Tucker's uh, role and his belief in the critical role of the Belizean diaspora in the development of Belize. Yes. He was one of the forerunners in championing the integral unification of the Belizean diaspora. And he himself, who had lived outside of Belize for many, many years, involving all these international work, understood that role very clearly. And he was the one who introduced the the UN program called Top Ten, as you will recall. Very much so, brother. Because yes. we all participated in that workshop that was held here in Los Angeles in the in the late uh, 1980s. And that was a program that was designed to incorporate diaspora Belizeans to come home, to return home, and contribute in their field or area of expertise to the development of the society, to the development of the country. That was one of Bert Tucker's uh, projects. So we know that he was one of the pioneers and supporters of the idea of the reunification of the diaspora and the critical role that Belizeans should play in the overall development of Belize. Finally, on that note, in terms of our national resources, when we talk about national resources, we talk about whether it's the raw materials, the oil, the, the dolomite, the coal, the water, the marine products, the forests, the, the rosewood, etc. But our most important natural resource is our people. And in that context, the, the recalcitrant attitude that we continue to see being demonstrated among Belizeans in regards to the reunification of Belizean, that also is a reflection of us not fully embracing the most important natural resource in our overall yes. national development, which is our people. Very much. So while I admire the work, the infrastructural work that is being done in Belize City, etc., to build roads and bridges and so forth, I will yes. emphasize to you what Bert Tucker believes, and I share that belief. 
your most important investment is in your people. So we are developing infrastructure, Bilal, yes, but we are not developing our people. Our people are dying. Our people are getting sicker. There are all kinds of disease now that we are dying off in Belize that we didn't have 20, 30 years ago. Yes. So yes. Our, our human capital, our people, we are not investing in. So it's, it's, yes. it's admirable that we are building infrastructure projects, but that same level of focus, that same level of concentration, concentration is not being done in investing in our human development. And so I just yeah, wanted yeah, you to said make that sure that that is put out there. Very much so. As you said that too, I want to ask this follow-up question, though. How do you think that future talkers, future bird talkers, the bird talkers that are coming up today, uh, that are there and yet unborn, how do you think that they would help to navigate the beliefs that we have seen from the work that Bert has set down. How do we think that those who will come there, the Bert Tuckers of, of Belize, will be able to then carry on his work and make it uh, a, a possibility and to continue that, that body of work that he has laid down? How do you think, what do you think that would need to be done and how do you think that the future Bert Tuckers will be able to do this in Belize? The men, I, I wrote on the passing of our brother that I believe personally that his most important contribution, despite all the other things that he has done, which is admirable, I believe yes. that the most important contribution that he has made, in my humble opinion, is the mentorship that he provided to younger people like yourself, like yes. myself, and many others. You mentioned Brother Leo, who is working there in the Toledo district, and many other young so. Brother there, yes. Who Big shout out have, to Brother Leo in, in PG. Who have a different perspective on the way things are to be done. That, to me, is the most important contribution that Brother Tucker has left. Because what he has taught us, nobody can take that away. What he has opened our eyes to, nobody can let us back into blindness. What vision he has helped to show us, and he talked about the year 2020. And he said that the year 2020 means that our vision should be much clearer. We need to know where we are going this is where this brother was. He was always looking yes. into the future. Yes. He was not a politician. He was not interested in, in votes. He was not interested in being validated. All he was interested in, in doing the work on the behalf of the people. And there's a fundamental difference. When you are doing the work for the people and you're not interested in being validated because you're not a politician. And he was not yes. a politician. He was a worker. He was a soldier. He was a humanitarian. And that's how yes. I will remember him. 
and that's how I will take what he has taught me, and that's what I will continue to do going forward, and all the other people who have been fortunate to be blessed to sit in the presence of a Bert Tucker and learn from this brother's life experience and how to go about implementing those work. Do you see in the present circumstances of things in Belize with the present recruitment of youth from the, the from you seeing both political parties trying to recruit the the youth into placing them in political uh, uh, careers? Um, we see the young Micah Goodings of Belize taking on. Uh, championing and challenging the college division. We see various uh, Belizean youth in Belize asserting themselves and aspiring towards leadership levels. How do you think the, the message of Bert Tucker or the work that Bert Tucker has laid down uh, for young and future young leaders of Belize to to, 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 to learn from. How do you see these youth that we see asserting themselves today, like Micah Gooding and others, do you think that they have learned a very important lesson in terms of the way forward? I believe that what Belize's need is a complete and total paradigm shift from the direction that we have been going for the last 30 years. And that is not going to happen with the recycling of the same regurgitation process that we have been doing. That's my belief. Yes. We have a, a, a quarter century. We have, a, we have more than a quarter century of evaluation to, to, to examine. You know, Bert Tucker is an alumni of the Technical College. He is one of yes. those that came out of Technical College. Technical College was destroyed by the, yes. by the ignorance and lack of foresight of the political directorates that we have in that society. Yes. So it is, it is symbolic, the destruction of an institution that had a proven track record of producing some of our finest minds as a Bert Tucker that we have spent the last several minutes talking about. That institution was destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, that is symbolic of what is wrong in our society, and it has to change. And that's not going to come. I have to tell you the truth. That's not going to come from regurgitating the same cycle that we have had for the last 30, 35 years. Yes. The young yes. brother, uh, Micah, he's a young, intelligent, bright young brother. And I have counseled him by giving him some advice about that system and that structure and the so-called democracy that we still claim to have in Belize. 
but all evidence has shown that Belize is now a plutocracy where you have a few very extremely wealthy forces and entrenched political people who basically decide public policy in that community. Yes. So while yes. we vote every five years, we are not fundamentally making any shift from the public policy decisions of that society. And so, in my opinion, all of that has to change, and I cannot see it coming out of us just participating in that same process. This will have to come from a different place. This will have to come from the people. Yes. And it, yes. these, these are third parties that, that is there, they need to get their act together. They need to yes. get their act together and stop being reactionary. The only time I hear about them is when there's an election coming. That foolishness has to stop. You need to begin to mature as a political movement. You need to begin to form alliances with your people across the board, and you need to begin to agitate and begin to organize from the ground level onward. You also need to have a vision beyond the next five years. You need to have a vision yes. plan. You need to have a national plan. That's my yes. message to them. Yes. Yeah. It's very much well taken, Rihanna. It really, really sort of gives a good perspective on how the work of Bert Tucker could be looked at from the youth perspective, these young aspiring uh, Belizean youths that are taking on and aspiring for leadership in the country and what the challenges are and what they are going up against in terms of sort of carving out the... A, a constructive uh, uh, direction for, 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 for Belize. I would also want to add that in terms of talking about Ernest Lyons, as, as I had mentioned uh, in my introduction about the Belizeans that had struggled in the diaspora and had struggled for Belize and had became renowned and very instrumental people both in the United States, and in Africa, in the Caribbean, in Central America, and all over the world. And Alliance was the, the U.S. ambassador to Liberia. But it is very important to note that he was also one of the ardent... Uh, he, 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 he disagreed with Marcus Garvey's uh, Back to Africa movement. He, he did everything in his capacity. To, to, to stop that, to, to, to influence and affect that. And I learned that through the, 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 the great research work of Dr. Jerome Strawn in doing research on this, on this great Belizean man. Uh, but at the same time, we noticed, and I've always wanted to make that point, that the struggle in the diaspora, and in terms of Belizeans, we are seeing a new movement in trying to, to have Belizeans in the diaspora be getting their full rights, their full constitutional rights to be able to vote by proxy and to be able to hold political office. And we are seeing the challenges that we are facing in trying to bring that to the forefront of development in Belize. And in looking back at the work of Henry Lyons, and how he was influenced in terms of U.S. foreign policy, of trying to 
to, to, to resist the Garvey movement in, the, in the, the great work that the Garvey movement was doing as an ambassador to the United States. We are hoping that Belizeans in the diaspora, that as we open up the doors and the floodgates of bringing in the diaspora into meaningful development, that we are not affected or brainwashed by the, the policies that we have learned abroad, that we have developed abroad, the way of thinking that would be of detriment to the development of Belize. And it's a very important part because as we look at that work of, Henry Ly- of uh, Ernest Lyons, though he had did some progressive things in the diaspora as a Belizean, he was also one of the, one of the stumbling blocks for the Garvey movement in the great work that Marcus Garvey was trying to do. And I just want to end, Nuri, with that as a caution to those of us who have a, who is aspiring in the diaspora to take on leadership if God is willing and the, the, these stumbling blocks are being removed that Belizeans would have their full constitutional right in the Seventh Amendment to participate in, in the political process both by voting by proxy and holding political office. Your final words on that point. Uh, yes, my brother. I will just close here. We have uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, the great Latin American writer who just passed away a few days ago. And I wanted to close my comments with a quote from him uh, yes. as follow. Gabriel Garcia Marquez on his is accepting the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1982. He said these words, I decline to accept the end of man and put the burden on writers to imagine what's possible. Even in the light of the tragedy and despair, we, the investors of tales, who will believe anything feel entitled to believe that it is not yet too late to engage in the creation of the opposite utopia. A new and sweeping utopia of life where no one will be able to decide for, un- for others how they die, where love will prove true and happiness be possible, and where the races condemned to 100 years of solitude will have at last and forever a second opportunity on earth, unquote. I pray that our brother rest in peace. And as Kwame Ture would say, my brother, forward ever, backward never. Aluta continua. The struggle goes on. Yes, brother Nuri, very beautiful. And uh, I want to thank you for your very heartfelt, warm, and constructive analysis on the figure, the renowned, dynamic Belizean scholar, economist, historian, activist, and ambassador, Bertoka, and his great work, how he had served his country well, both in the international arena and also on the national scale. And I want to also depart to Belizeans who are listening today, audience, that Bertoka was in full support 
of Belizeans in the diaspora having their total constitutional rights, full-fledged rights as citizens of that country from the day we knew him in the 80s all the way up to the present day, the recent homecoming conference that he was helping to organize with Ambassador Nestor Mendes in Washington was a testimony that he believed in the full, that Belizeans in the diaspora should have their full-fledged rights. He started that process a long time ago with Minister Philip Golson. I, hear, I heard it from his mouth. The challenges were there when Bert Tucker started that process in trying to tear down the walls that were stopping Belizeans in the diaspora from participating and having their full-fledged, their full constitutional rights as Belizean citizens. And he lived that work. He was one of the, he epitomized the Belizean in the diaspora that championed that cause. He did, he started it out as I said in the 80s with Philip Golson, when the minister Philip Golson called for Belizeans in the diaspora to have their full constitutional rights to participate in the development of that country, both voting by proxy and in polling political office. And Bertoka, alongside with the other, the other projects that he championed, that was passionately in his heart. And he being one of those Belizeans, he, him being one of those Belizeans in the diaspora, when he worked outside for Belize in the international scale, in the national arena, he was working tirelessly to affect public opinion, to affect constitutional rights, working as an economist with the, with the governments of the day, whichever one that was in power. And he would always champion that cause. And in the memory of Bert Tucker, for me, who is the most ardent Belizean diaspora nationalist that have, that have worked in making Belizeans have full constitutional rights to participate in the political process, in holding, in holding political office, and in voting from abroad, I would honor my brother and ending this by saying that he was the, the great ardent champion of Belizeans in the diaspora when no one else that lived in the diaspora had seen such a vision. And his top 10 program was a part of that. And I believed by him bringing up, by him working with the homecoming conference in 2011, the whole push to break down the walls, to break down these walls that have been placed up to prevent Belizeans from having their full constitutional rights in the political process and their full rights as citizens of that country, though they live abroad, to vote by proxy and to hold political office. Brother Bert Tucker, continue to push for that to be a reality. And we, we, we hope in his memory and in his demise that the Seven Amendment will be resurrected and will be brought up back again by Prime Minister Dean Barrow. In, 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 in acknowledging this brother and in honoring his, his, his memory and the work that he struggled for, 
that the uh, our Prime Minister Dean Barrow would hear this call, and in, in the in the in the tireless effort that Bertuka did and worked for for Belizeans in the diaspora, that the Seventh Amendment, Brother Nuri Akbar, would be able to be resurrected again, and that Belizeans in the final analysis will have been restored their full constitutional rights as citizens of Belize without having to relinquish their American citizenship, their British citizenship, or whichever citizenship that they are, that in the memory of our brother Bert Tucker, that our dear Prime Minister Dean Barrow would hear this call and would again resurrect and reintroduce the Seventh Amendment in the House. And as we wind down into our last few minutes, I just wanted to make that final pledge and that final call uh, to, 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 to our government of the day that we can help develop this country and that our diaspora, our diaspora can become a very important instrument in Belize's development as we face those serious challenges of our country being invaded by foreign investors, big oil, and as a serious threat that we pose in the south from the Guatemalan military oligarchy and government. And again, I just want to thank you all for listening. And this is, has been the Hubert Pipersberg Show. And I'm Bilal Morris, sitting in for Brother Hubert. And Hubert will be back next week. And again, I want to end by saying peace be unto all Belizeans and to enjoy their holy Saturday in Belize, regardless of who won the cross country, if it is a Belizean or not. That, is, that does not matter. But that we hold on to the true aspects of what, is it, what it is to be Belizean and that we are one people at home and abroad. Um, I just want to send a thank you again to those of you who were able to break away from your listening to the cross country and tuning into this program today. Good day.